I want to welcome everybody to this show today. I've got somebody who he's been a, um, a mentor in some ways, a teacher, he's a teacher. That's what he is. And I met him about a year ago in an EMLT program that John Wineland was putting on and his name's Travis, Travis Shred, and he is a phenomenal men's coach, men's work coach. And so I just, first of all, Travis, thanks for, thanks for being here today. I really appreciate that. Yeah. It's a pleasure to be here, man. I'm, I'm so happy we got to talk and, um, I know we had to book this interview twice, but, um, um, I think it was It'll hopefully worth, it. worth the wait. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So, yeah. So introduce yourself, tell them, tell people who you are, what you do and what's, what's alive yeah. for you. Well, it's funny, man, because I was at a, I went to a party last night and, um, which I haven't been to for months. Most of the events I go to are events like you were at, you know, retreats right. or, um, or I'm at, I'm doing corporate events, things like that, where it's, um, there's fun times and celebration, but it's in a different way. And I went to like a, like a real, like a going away party for a friend of mine who's moving to South Africa. Mm. And, um, so one of the guys there is a, he's a musician, his name's John Mason. And he plays, um, it's like a, kind of like a folk alt rock singer okay. and really talented guy. And he said, he, he was telling me all kinds of stories about his, you know, rock star life. And he said, he said, so I don't really know what, what you do, man. Like what I know I've been to your men's group and I've, you know, heard a little bit about you from some people that work with you as clients. And, and I said to him, um, I said, well, I was like, I don't know. It's, it takes a bit to describe. And he's like, well, you know, try it. Give me like the party, the cocktail party version. So one of, I, I said to him, I said, well, in many ways, I'm, I'm helping people see that they're going to die at some point, which is both, you know, horrifying and morbid, but also, and so what action do you want to take today, given that this is all going to end? Like, mm. what do you want your mm. life to have been about? And so that's really where I spend my time. Um, I work with men, I work with couples, uh, I work, I'm, I'm also a student of John Wineland, as obviously, you know, and, and David yeah. data and others, but the, the essence of it, it kind of boils down to that is like, it's going to end. So it's not over yet. Right. But uh -huh. if it is going to end, what do you want it to have been about? And how do we, how do I help you orient? your life and your purpose and your relationship around this idea that, that death is coming, whether we like it or not. So for you then, what is it, if it's going to end, what do you want your life to look like? What is, what do you want to leave behind? So I have this, um, I might butcher it, but the, it, it was actually a quote from our, our shared teacher from John that I read years ago in a mind body green article came across it. And, um, I think he, he wrote something like, let your legacy be your fierce beating heart. Nobody else, no one, nobody really gave a shit about the rest of it anyway. And so that kind of became the ethos of how I want to live my life. And so for me, it's about love, like the depth with which I could love my family. Um, I, I'm married. I have a wife of how many years we've been together, been, been together close to 20 years, married for 20, wow, seven, okay. 17 or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I have two daughters, um, who are 17 and 13 years old. So I don't want to, so love is, it is an incredibly important piece. Like I want to have been the transmission of love. Mm -hmm. I want to have been the transmission of depth meaning that I'm someone that, that has, is, is not just seen to have depth, but is a, a, a human, a man of depth yeah. and openness. Like I, I would like my life to have been a monument to those three things, love, mm -hmm. openness, and depth. And if I, if I accomplish that, I'll, I'll die complete. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and what are you doing to. To make that happen. Well, I mean, does that show up in your life, like on a daily basis? Yeah. Well, oh, you want, I mean, like what's my morning routine to get there? 
just kidding. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. Yeah. yeah, there's here's your five steps to love right. open. Five steps to no, love and openness. Yeah. It's a it's it's been it's just been an, a a really beautiful unfolding. Like once I decided that, then I was like, okay, well, what kinds of things do I have to be doing so that I could die complete and live in this way, right? And, and the, uh, the, f the first piece of it really was about the relationship between me and myself. I had to really give that a hard look because that certainly was not a relationship of great depth or a lot of love um, or a lot of openness. Hey. I had a lot of closure towards myself and, um, you know, the kinds of things I did were, I would say, not in the realm of incredibly shallow, but just fairly surface. Yeah. Um, and, and I, and I was, I've spent my, I spent a, a good chunk of time kind of in an office kind of job mm -hmm. environment and, um, you know, it didn't, and I, I was drinking a lot at the time and, and, um, and I was still a parent and showing up, but just kind of, I was just kind of like a, a good guy, like an okay guy. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that relationship had to shift, um, relationships with my children. They, I, it's like, I had like the, I love you, but the really deep sort of embodied mm -hmm. love just needed yeah. some cultivation. And with my, with my wife, Rebecca, like I'd had to really clean up some things from the past and not a lot of like huge transgressions, but you know, thousand tiny cuts over decade. And so that I could kind of clean up a lot of the past so I could be free and we could all be free to live in a space with more love and more openness, more depth. Um, started surrounding myself with, with a lot of men, which I did not have growing up. I had a mm -hmm. lot of, I was, I grew up playing a lot of sports, but was, um, you know, would, I wouldn't say those were the most, um, the deepest relationships I've ever right. had. Yeah. And, and yeah, and then, and then of course found some really incredible teachers along the way to help me to discover different parts of myself, find different ways to relate to the people I love in the world, the, to my work, to my, my own mission. And as a result, my entire, you know, what I do for money, I guess you could say is completely yeah. different than even just a few years ago, but certainly sure. vastly different than 10 years ago. Yeah. So was it a, a gradual thing or was there like come to Jesus kind of moments for you along the way? Or how did you get to that point where you're like, okay, this isn't working and I want to do something different? You know, I'll, um. Yeah, there were there were some moments for sure. One of them I remember when I, I was working in a in a corporate job. Um, gosh, I don't even know how many years ago this would have been now. I don't know, 13, 14 years ago. Yeah. I I don't know. It was um I don't remember the year exactly, but I remember that I was I was cycling like like a madman, like I was bike I was racing um road bikes at the time and you know, doing like doing pretty well. Kind of, mm -hmm. I've hit like the highest level of amateur, you know, whatever the hell that means. Yeah. And, uh, and I was working in this, this corporate job <laughs> and it, things were shifting and I was, you know, I was being moved around different departments and I had this, I had this incredible boss and a, and a great mentor, <clears throat> two of them actually. And, and they were, they were sort of trying to help me make a decision because we were at this point where they were like, well, look, we'd like to move you up and in, in the organization, we see you doing this, but we don't have that role for you right now. So it might mean that you have to do this for a while or, and I was like, well, I'm, you know, I'm taking care of my family. I had good benefits a decent salary. And I was riding my bike a lot, had lots of free time. And, and I just remember being like, no, like I can't, I can't, I can't. They were like, yeah, if you, you know, 18 months, two years, if you can kind of just keep doing the same mm -hmm. thing. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm just too young to waste those two years. Yeah. And, um, so that was a big, I think a big turning point. So I decided to leave. I just, I just, I asked them to kind of let me go. I basically or orchestrated my own demise and, um, went and joined a, an executive coaching firm, which is okay. where I got my start doing, doing executive, executive coaching, um, which I still do today, but looks a little different than it used to. Yeah. That's great. a big one. That's a big inflection that's point, one, I, yeah. I would say. Yeah. I remember mm -hmm. my parents, like my dad, my dad, especially my dad and, <laughs> and my, my, my mother-in-law, God bless her. Um, they were both like, 
you left, like you just quit. Because <laughs> I had like, especially I'm, I'm Canadian, right? So, you know, benefits and, and pension oh, plans sure, are sure. like, you know, like, and I, I had all that, right? Yeah. Like, what do you, we don't, my, I remember my dad saying like, what, well, what are you going to do about all your benefits? Yeah. And I was like, well, you could, you know, you can buy them, right? Like you can, you can yeah. pay the benefits provider to give you the same benefits. Right. It's just, there's no company paying the bill anymore. I have to mm -hmm. pay it myself. But, um, what about your pension? And I was like, so that was, you know, that was a big, I think mm -hmm. a big piece. Um, you know, I, I found, uh, I found a great mentor many years ago who introduced me to my feelings, um, introduced me to, um, shadowy sides of myself that I was unaware of, introduced me to the relationship I had with my parents uh, and, and really, yeah, just set me on a great, on a great path that way. I hated him. Yeah. I mean, I really did not like, I mean, he was, I, I paid him to mentor me. And um, yeah. when I say I hated him, I mean, I loved him. And sure. also I just hated what he had me do and the feelings he made me feel. But, right. um, you know, that was a really, I think a really important turning point. And uh, getting sober, mm -hmm. that was a, that was a huge one for me. I had never really thought I never allowed myself to consider that I had an addiction problem, mm -hmm. but I did. And, um, didn't take a lot of rock bottoms. It took more like a real, cause I was, it was easy for me to manage. Yeah. Right. I didn't, yeah. I wasn't putting on weight, so it wasn't having like right. a big physical impact on me. I was riding my bike all the time and I was, mm -hmm. I looked healthy, but the amount that alcohol ran my life was, you know, yeah. upon reflection. Yeah. Um, pretty, yeah, it was, it was, yeah. it was scary, man, to look back. So, um, trying to think like, it's funny cause most people are like, oh, what about the birth of your children? And like, I mean, uh, of course those are beautiful sure. moments, but it didn't, yeah. it didn't wake me up like some of these other mm -hmm. things did. Um, and then, you know, I think, I think when I, when I came across David Data's work and then discovered when I met John Wineland, who you and I both work with. Yeah. Um, another great teacher who's now passed, Guru Jagat. Um, you know, those were moments that 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 kind of confluence of events probably mm -hmm. I don't know maybe eight years ago. Um, okay, that really set things on a on a very different trajectory. Yeah, and so yeah, I didn't realize you and I have so much in common. <laughs> like the the yeah. when I'm listening to your story, I'm like, oh yeah, that was me. I mean, I was in corporate America for 15 years. He, um, decided to make a transition into becoming a therapist, which meant going back to school and, uh, you know, so, and then, um, and then alcohol played a, a huge role in my life and I've been sober now since, you know, 13 years. Um, but same kind of thing. Like I was very functional, you know. Like I was able to hold a job and all this kind of things. But what I didn't realize was like the impact that it had on me until I started reflecting on it and realized how much, not just an influence, but like you said, I, I orchestrated my life around it and how much control it had over me. And really, you know, like you didn't have a rock bottom. I had pretty significant rock bottoms, um, which I'm so grateful for, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. yeah. You know, I think that's just something that oftentimes as guys, we, we struggle in, in silence, you know, and we don't really know. I mean, somebody like you were saying would see you and wouldn't know that this was a problem or that you were having these difficulties with your, your relationships or internally relationship with yeah. yourself and all that. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's hard to detect. Like, I mean, I, I went through an eating disorder as well. Like, mm. Yeah, you know, undiagnosed eating disorder that took a long time to unwind. And, and it's true, like on, cause on the surface, it's like, oh, look, it's a, you know, it's a young, fairly successful white guy with a family right. who's, you know, looks pretty normal. Mm -hmm. And, um, so you, you kind of get away with a lot. Right. And, and I, I think that I'm, I'm grateful that I had people around me that, that helped me and, and that. You know working on that kind of that relationship between me and me that that 
that helped me discover like, oh man, like this is that this is the core of my relationship with everybody else. It's like how I'm um, treating myself, which I'm sure as a therapist, you yeah. understand innately. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, speaking of that, that relationship with me and me, can you say more about that? Cause you had taught on that at, uh, the EMLT program and it was really impactful to me. Mm -hmm. Um, kind of a going even a little bit layer, layer deeper of like how important the relationship I have with myself is. Well, I mean, I'll start by like, I didn't, I didn't know it was, it was even a thing, right. Mm -hmm. For most of, most of my life. But I, I do remember, um, I think it was 20, 2017 paying very particular attention to it. I was, um, I had set off in 2017 to do this big fundraiser to raise money for pancreatic cancer research. And I was, I set myself, um, a goal to ride my bike up enough hills that it would add up to over a million feet of, of vertical climbing through a year. Okay. And you can't see it now, but in behind me, there's a very large mountain, um, called Mount Seymour. And I rode up it every day for a year. It's about a thousand meters, which I know a lot of you are in the States. I don't know how many feet that is, but it's a bunch. Um, yeah. <laughs> it is. And as I was doing that, I started realizing like, wow, I'm like, I'm having a lot of conversations with myself on this bike, or as I'm like thinking about the fact that I've got to get up tomorrow and do it again, that really are, don't feel very good. Like if I were mm -hmm. having this conversation with a person that I cared about, I, I, I would consider it to be almost abusive. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and a lot of repetitive thought pattern going through. So I kind of became aware that I was aware in many ways. And that was where I first started to kind of realize I'm like, wow, I'm orienting a lot of my day around what I eat as well. It's kind of where I became aware yeah. of the eating disorder piece and, and how, how much, how much emphasis I placed on like, well, if you, if you do this, you can have this. Right. Like there's always a quid pro quo between mm. me and me and then realizing how that's showing up in my parenting and showing up in my relationship with my wife. Like, so I, I again, I, I won't belabor it too much, but it, that, that year really sort of solidified this, the, the importance of, of this relationship between me and me. And I, I look around at even today when something's not right with, with yeah. me and the world, let's just say, we'll call it mm -hmm. in the world means anybody, right? Yeah. It's there's something going on with me usually. Yeah. And, yeah. and, um, it's strange to say it because I really mm -hmm. don't like how, how individualistic we've gotten in the, in the personal spiritual growth realm, yeah. but often there's something here to look at when there's something out that's not going well. Yeah. And so that's, that's really what it's all about. And I think the other piece of it that I, you know, I taught about in the desert to you and, and, and a bunch of men was this idea that this is the longest relationship you're ever going to have. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, you, you might want to tend to it. And, right. um, no, um, I can't say that today I have, you know, the absolute pinnacle dream relationship I'd like to yeah. have with me and me. There's moments like last yeah. week I was feeling, I was feeling kind of sick and yeah, part of me was like, no man, just like push through. You're good. And of course by Friday I had a cold, mm -hmm. I failed shitty. So, so right. Yeah. So yeah. Um, there's, I think lots still, you know, unfolding, not like I've solved that piece of it, but I do think it's a really important piece for people to look at. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. It's, uh, yeah, I think I, I, again, similar kind of stories and the relationship I had with myself for so many years, you know, I said I had this bully that lived inside of my head that would just constantly take my lunch money, you know, and beat me up and tell me I wasn't any good. And, and there became this awareness of one day of, I wouldn't let anybody else in the world speak to me like this, but I'm speaking to myself like this. And, and then I had this awareness or it's like, am I choosing these thoughts? No, they're just happening. All right. So if I'm not choosing these thoughts, then that means it's not me that's having these thoughts. It's part of my brain or recording or something along those lines. 
And then by kind of, okay, well, well, if I chose to have a relationship with myself and treated myself like somebody that I loved, what would be the things that I would say to myself, you know? Yeah. And, and that kind of started me on my path of finding more about like self-love, self-compassion, self, um, awareness. And I think like you were sort of alluding to a little bit earlier, there's this fear that, that if I become so self-aware and so self-absorbed that everything else out there, you know, that I become like this narcissist who's only concerned with himself. But what I found was the more that I, I love myself and have capacity from, you know, increase the capacity within myself for love, the more I'm able actually to, to give love freely to others because I have an abundance of love that I've generated within myself because the relationship that I have with myself is one of love. Yeah, I think that's, that's a really, really important practice though, is, is, is to do both, right? Like mm -hmm. a, a lot, again, like, you know, there's, there's room for everything, but a lot right. of what I see that I find, I don't know if it's problematic, but it has, doesn't have a good ending mm. is where the, this, the realm of, of self-discovery or, or personal growth or even spiritual growth becomes so focused on the self mm -hmm. that we forget to then turn that out. Right. And I, I just don't think it's worth it. Like, I don't think that, that most people are going to die complete if all they have, have become is like this super self-aware kind of superhuman who's done all the mm -hmm. biohacks and, and so, right. um, you know, turn themselves into this incredible independent human mm -hmm. in my view it's it's yes like understand self and then practice giving love giving love mm -hmm. you know yep. and, and blasting it out to the, the people that are around you that to me is is the deeper work because it's way harder to do not not yeah. that it's not you know it is hard to practice that mm -hmm. self-compassion i think it's it sort of starts there it starts with that self-compassion yep. but if it just ends there right and I think it's the difference between understanding that, you know, I am separate and I'm connected. Mm -hmm. And if I'm only loving myself, then, and I'm not using that to be an instrument of love, you know, to give love to others and to serve and that kind of thing, then it just becomes sort of this cheap, I'm always just looking for more, yeah. you know, materialistic kind of things or the way that I look. And then that's where the sort of narcissistic piece comes up that, but oftentimes you have to start with the self-love piece because, you know, you got to correct that first before you can begin to be an instrument of love for others. That's a, that's a good way to put it, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think yes. And so yes. Okay. And don't wait until you and you are a hundred percent perfect. Yeah. It's like, as soon as yeah. you have a sense of you and you, give mm -hmm. it give it give it mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. i i see that also right it's 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 also another part of it where it's like oh well everything has to be perfect with me like right. I, I mean i i coach people on relationships i i work with people on um you know on becoming better leaders becoming better mm -hmm. humans in the world i have all kinds of shit come up all the time in my life yeah. right like you yeah. know i'm arguing with my kids this morning it's it's a holiday <laughs> here and in, in where i live right and i'm like uh -huh. When are you going to do your chores? Right. Like, let's go. So it's not like I've, you know, have to, I'm waiting until everything is, everything on my side of the fence is 100% clean before I, mm -hmm. I want to teach. But I do want to make sure I've got a level of um, self awareness and practice in me before I'm out there working with other people. And I think that's, it's, it's a, it's toggling between both and right. never, you know, never forgetting that we're all students. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We're always learning. I think, again, I would say the you know, purpose of life is to grow, you know, the change adapt, become who you're meant to be. Um, and, and that that's, you know, I'm not broken. I am growing. And as long as I'm growing, then alive. Yeah. yeah who I am today. It's going to be different than who I am 10 years from now. That doesn't mean who I am today is broken any more than 10 years from now. It just simply means that I'm 
I'm always growing and changing and trying to learn and yeah, practice those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a, it's, it's very true, man. I haven't, yeah, I have not lost my desire to, to be a student in any realm. Yeah. Except parenting. <laughs> Got that all figured out. <laughs> you got that all figured out. Good. And then just about the time you got it figured out, it's time for him to leave. Yeah, man. That's yeah. 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 So when you work wild. with men, mm-hmm. I know, I know. And you work with men, what do you find like to be maybe one of the sticking points that a lot of guys that you work with tend to have where, you know, it's this part of their life that isn't working well. Is there particular things that kind of come up more often than not? Yeah, I don't know if there's any one thing. I mean, I think there's yeah. one, one is the, the, for the most part, right? I'm working with men who are, um, they've reached a level of success in their life where mm-hmm. they can afford not just, not just not money. I do, I run some free yeah. programs too, but they also yeah. can afford time right to spend working on themselves so you've already got this subset of people that aren't scraping you know hand mm-hmm. so I, you know there, there's some bias built into these the challenges i see that men have but the first one is what i said the earliest which is like a lot of them especially people that have have been outwardly very successful they have often forgotten that they're going to die mm-hmm and I, again, like, I, I know it sounds kind of morbid, but it's like, you know, these guys in their forties and fifties and them, and they're like, oh, like I, when we first talked, they're like, oh shit, like mm-hmm. that's right. It is yeah. going to end. Right. So, that, yeah. so that's, that's one piece. And I think that really, um, it tends to, for men anyway, it tends to mute them. Like they become, they become more reserved, they become more muted because they think that they'll have time to express all the things mm-hmm. they want to express and do all the things they want to do, right? So that's, a, that's, a, that's one big one. Um, the other one that I see is that they, um, they ha- they've kind of, they've missed their own initiation. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll say more about that because yeah. I, I, don't, I don't actually think I, this you know this is contrary to what a lot of people think. I don't think men in the West anyway are actually missing initiation. Okay. Like I I think they're it's happening and they're just missing the moment. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, we maybe the rituals aren't there that used to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe men are going through events. Mm-hmm. Whether they're getting their hearts broken for the first time, I saw that there was a guy in my group a couple months ago, my men's group. You know, eighteen year old guy just love him to death and he just had his heart broken for the first time that's a it's an initiation for a minute sure to have yeah. his heart stomped on right yeah. um men who are you know they experience some loss right? mm-hmm. maybe it could be a it could be a, an injury maybe i know nothing debilitating or it could be but it's like an injury or they have or they lose a they lose a loved one or they maybe a grandparent dies and they like that could that could be an initiation mm-hmm. um they they have a they have a bad night out drinking can mm. be an initiation, right? And so I think for me, like they they people a lot of men don't see those like they just happen and they're like, oh yeah, that thing happened. And like, mm-hmm. do you not see how that helped to shape you and and it could have been a great initiation for you? And so I I, I see that so these things happen to men and they're like, what do I do with it? Mm-hmm. And when they come into community with other men. They can then metabolize it and see it for what it is and realize like, oh, this, this, I could have used that to refine, refine who I am as a person rather than define me or push it away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think that's an, um, a big one. And the other one is like, I really believe certainly, I mean, if anyone's coming to find me, I mean, yeah. again, it's a very biased sample, but the. They want to be, they want to be better men in the world. Yeah. But they don't even know what that means. Right. Like the, they're not sure how. And like, I know there's something, but I just don't know yeah. what or how. I just, it's this, this elusive thing yeah. outside there that I feel like yeah. I should have. Yeah. 
But even if I even if I think about those three things I just listed off, mm -hmm. they're still all related to the first one, which is they become aware that it's going to end. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, not again. It, it's as a way to like sharpen resolve during yeah. life. And yeah. I, I've seen that just be so potent yeah. time and time and time again. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, so the practices I, you know, the things I'm taking men through are often, it's not just about like, remember, you're going to die. Like, it's just not what it's, it's like yeah. Yeah. teaching men to celebrate, mm -hmm. right? Um, teaching men to love each other well. Mm -hmm. teaching mm -hmm. men to love whoever they love in the world, their families, their partners, you know, yeah. regardless of who they love, to love them well, teaching men to act, to act with, with definitive purpose, mm -hmm. not like I know my life's calling purpose, but like I am going to take on this act, whether it's, you know, stacking this pile of laundry or building my new entrepreneur webpage, but I'm going to take right. it on with purpose and vigor, mm -hmm. you know, teaching, teaching men to, um, to, to be vital, like to be alive, like you talked about, like to yeah. be in a state of aliveness and be awake during their life. So mm -hmm. those are things that help to, you know, they're, they're inspired by the idea that it's going to end. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. And especially I like, I, I like your take on the initiation piece that, that it's not just one thing that it's happening all the time. Yeah. And I think that that's even from a perspective of growth and change, you know, that, that an initiation is basically moving from, you know, through a threshold from one room to another, you know, I, and I've changed, you know. Mm -hmm. And with, if it's a ritualistic type of shift of, you know, I was a boy and now I go with this ritual and I walk through the threshold and now I'm a man, it's these types of initiations happen all the time. And I love that idea that we're just missing them and that even kind of reframing these things that happen to us, you know, a tragedy as an initiation, yeah. as opposed to. Um, you know, oh, I got my heart broken and hey, let's celebrate that man. You were initiated. Good job. <laughs> it's an initiation. Yeah. And I think, yeah. you know, one of the, I, I do, you know, I think there's, there's a good health, there's a healthy amount of, yeah. uh, the, some groups out there go and men's groups go right. when they try to, they create initiation for men, right. which is great. You know, I think that's, yeah. that's really beautiful. I often just come across men who I'm like, I'm not your initiator. Like mm -hmm. that's not the role I want to take on. Yeah. I'd yeah. love to help you discover where you've already been initiated and pull the lessons from that. Yeah. Right. But, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm also coming across, you know, I, maybe, maybe there are men out there who need initiation. I, I don't, they don't tend to show up on my door. Yeah. Um, but again, I, I also, I also don't know if it's, you know, I, I think sometimes we, we try to create initiation for men right. and we don't necessarily succeed. Like, we're like, oh, well, now they're initiated. And it's like, well, right. are they though? Like, are they? Are you mm -hmm. sure? Mm -hmm. And um, I also think it's an ongoing process. Like, oh, yeah. There's so, like, I have many more initiations to get through. And, you know, this year, this year was the first time that we, um, we lost somebody in, in our family, in our kind of, in, like, my wife's mm -hmm. mother just recently passed away. And, mm -hmm. It's an initiation. There's grief yeah. to move through. Yeah. There's celebration. You know, there's right. there's sadness, and then also like I don't know how I feel. Confusion. Yeah, those are initiations too. And as people around me go through initiations, like my daughter's graduating high school this year, mm -hmm. there's going to be an initiation into life. Mm -hmm. That's also mm -hmm. an initiation for me, right? <laughs> like. <laughs> So and your wife too, you know, that's sort of my, the, yeah, right. Yeah. And so, and so, um, so I, I think they're all over the place and I think it's yeah. a question of looking for them and, and, um, and bringing voice to them. And, and that's why I, I do believe there's a, there's a great role for men's groups mm -hmm. in that, um, to help, help men share in those and have others see mm -hmm. them in it 
is just like you and I are discovering the amount we have in common. Yeah. Most men get into a men's group and start sharing and it's like, oh, you too? Like, oh, right. and it's like, cool. Like, I didn't know that, you know? And, and I think that's what the only I'm, one. Exactly. Like that becomes then more of a, um, a connection point of, you know, I've been suffering all my life thinking I was the only person that struggled with this, Yeah, you know? And, um, and so it's like, oh, you mean everybody does? Oh, okay. Like I'm not a weirdo. Yeah. And that's an yeah. initiation right there. It is. It is. So, so yeah, I mean, that's my, yeah, I like that's my, my take on initiation anyway, for now, I'm, I'm sure my views will change, but now that's where I'm, where I'm putting my stake in the ground. Yeah. Well, cool. well, well, talk to me about leadership as transmission. What's a topic uh, that you have some yeah. expertise in? Come, come about well, that. I mentioned it, right? I mentioned yeah. it earlier. It's like, I want, I want to have been the transmission of, mm -hmm. and I, I think to me, this is where there's a, there's a difference between learning about concepts and then truly embodying and transmitting them. And I certainly have been guilty of the former where I just learned like when I was, when I was working in the corporate world and, you know, I, I like every business book known to man I had read, you uh -huh. know, like good to great was on my bookshelf sure. and, you know, all it, dating myself here, but, um, all of these, you know, all these great writers, like, you know, um, who I had. I had read and, and it all made sense. And I got really inspired reading. Like I felt like, oh yeah, like mm -hmm. I want to be that kind of person. Right. And right. Stephen Covey and Jim Collins and all these things. Right. Yeah. And, um, and I realized like, and then I, I was teaching it a lot too, cause I worked as an executive coach and I was teaching mm -hmm. it and I was even teaching people, um, about things like executive presence and showing up mm -hmm. and, and how to communicate effectively as a leader and, and, and then realize like there's zero embodiment of it, like zero transmission of it, not zero, but like mm -hmm. limited, like I had yeah. not actually taken it from the mind and installed right. it into the body, right. which is really how people feel each other. Mm -hmm. Like as humans taking, you know, any gender out of it, we feel each other through the body, through the, mm -hmm. and through the energetic field around us in, yeah. in many cases. And so. That to me is the, is the place for us to work, especially in the West where personal growth has been spiritual growth too, has been very heady. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm not, you know, we need theories, man. I'm not saying we should just yeah. go and, you know, do, you know, just move our bodies around. We get, but right. both, right. Like an understanding and then the embodiment. And I think that where, where, where transmission comes in is it's the. It's the embodiment of knowledge. So you take a set, a, a knowledge set. Um, maybe it's leadership. Let's just use it as an example. Okay. Right? Yeah. Leadership has all these concepts in it and different tools and practices and theories and approaches. Well, how do they show up though? Like mm -hmm. how do they get transmitted? We can't shoot them out telepathically. Right. We have to communicate them. So as an example, well, what does it mean to have a, let's say executive presence as you know, it's one of those terms that yeah. gets thrown around. Well, they can't just exist in the mind. Like your mind could be very quiet or very still, which might be a nice trait to have as a leader. Mm -hmm. But if your body is lifeless or if your body is jittery, or if your body lacks vitality, Mm -hmm. or, or, or energy, let's say there's no transmission of this idea of presence. Like you're not really in the room or if you, you know, I, I, you know, I, I think I've seen this a lot. People learn, they learn the, the, the traits, right. Sure. Or they learn, they yeah. gotta get, oh, if I do this with my hands He's, or if I look yeah. at them this way, I have eye contact techniques, right. It becomes a mental thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas when someone's really present with you, even right now in this conversation, we're really present. Yeah. We feel it. I'm not checking like, hmm, is Chuck's eye contact moving around the screen? Mm -hmm. Like, it's, you know, right. I'm, 
I'm feeling you and you're feeling me. Our voices say a lot, our bodies say a lot. And it's not a, it's not a set of hacks. Right, right. It's a question yeah. of just dropping deeper into the body so that what we put out into the world is a clear signal. That's really about, that's the transmission piece for me. And I think that's the place for most people to work. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and I, I teach leadership all the time, you know, in, in the corporate realm and elsewhere. And I'm amazed at how smart people are, like how many theories they know. And they'll tell, they're like, oh, have you read this book? And I'm like, I, I haven't. Yeah. Like, I've got nothing wrong with that book. It sounds great, but yeah. I haven't read it. Um, and then, but I'm like, but where is it in you? Like, I, you, yeah. you're telling me about these things in this book. Yeah. But yeah. I'm, I'm not like, I'm not feeling any of it through you. So um, I just think that's such a critical piece for, for us as a species, mm -hmm. even to be working on. I mean, I, I'll, I'll limit it to the Western world, which is where I do mm -hmm. most of my work. I, I, you know, there may be other, other cultures and places around the world that have this kind of nailed. I don't know of them. Um, but certainly, you know, we'll call it, you know, the corporate West. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It could, could really use it. And yet few people are willing because yeah. the work it takes is, is different work. Um, you know, you, I go, you go into a corporate setting and you're like, well, you'll need to breathe a little deeper. <laughs> and they're like, oh, no, no, no. Like, no, give me some tips and yeah. tricks on how I can where's, have exactly. Yeah. Where's the five-step yeah. Harvard business review article? And right. like, well, yeah. It's probably going to take you about a year to learn how to breathe properly. If you do it every day and you do it well, mm -hmm. um, and then it's going to take you a little longer to start dropping a little lower into your body. And like, so you could actually mm -hmm. feel your feet on the ground while you're walking around. And then it might, mm -hmm. so it could be, you know, a couple or three years before you really kind of back inside your own body and yeah. people are like, nah, <laughs> I want, the, no, I want, I want like a solution. The, yeah. Give me the six month program to you right. know, 20 minutes a day. So, right. So I think yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's the only challenge with it. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I think it, it kind of, uh, when I think about wisdom, you know, being more than just knowledge, you know, you can know something, but to be able to transmit that, transmute that to another person, like yeah. that's where true wisdom comes in. I mean, you feel that person, you feel their energy, they walk into the room and it's, you can tell they're not faking it. That is something that they, like you said, an embodiment practice yeah uh, you feel that energy from the other person to a point of like no i want i want that you know what do i have to do to get that you know yeah. and there's not five points to it it's a practice it's a thing of like yeah the way you get there is you start practicing deep breath work you start practicing presence you start practicing meditation and embodiment yeah. work and that kind of thing transmitting love through your body love yeah yeah and like you know it's it, it's 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 true it's true man you know as you're saying this i'm i'm realizing like that's how i that's how i have chosen my teachers mm -hmm. right is through through what they're transmitting what they're transmitting right? yeah the energy that very few of them have like the the you know the accolades or like the you know nine right. letters after their names right mm -hmm. and yet you walk into the room and you're like oh that yeah yeah right? yeah and um and, and I, I've just, I see it, you know, it's, mm -hmm. I see it all the time. And I, I think, um, it's a miss. I, I just think it's kind of a, it's a missed area, but mm -hmm. I'm happy to be playing in there. And I, um, right. you know, I'll stand by it until, until I decide that it, that problem seems to be solved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I think that that's such a great way to kind of put that in terms of. And it's really easy to kind of get into like the woo-woo energetic law of attraction all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's really about, and you know, like you said, we feel somebody else, you know, you're standing next to somebody and you can feel them and you can feel oftentimes, you know, and, and I also think we kind of tend to ignore that. But once you start tuning into it, then you can really feel what's going on with somebody. You can tell right away, oh, this person is they're hurting or they're grieving or they're, you know, just, they're having a great numb. day. This they're having a great day. Up. Yeah. They're fired up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You can just, you feel that by the energy that they bring into it. Yeah. And I think that that, that, that like what you're talking about. Yeah. Requires two things though. 
it requires okay. sensitivity and awareness. Yes. So even, again, even through the field of virtual world, right, through mm -hmm. Zoom or whatever you, right. platform you're on, right, to feel someone requires sensitivity and awareness. We have to be aware of what's happening around us and inside of ourselves, right? So that, that usually requires some training. Mm -hmm. Sensitivity requires that we can actually feel things. And, you know, if I, if I think about the, the two things I'm teaching and training most, not always saying these words, but mm -hmm. what I'm working on with, you know, with men, with, with women too, sometimes with mm -hmm. men, mostly sensitivity and awareness like this extends mm -hmm. beyond men's work too like when i'm working mm -hmm. with in the relationship field right often it's like okay like are you aware right and are you sensitive mm -hmm. and if you can if if you can start to kind of get those things mm -hmm. life starts to change as you become more aware and then you're actually sensitive enough. And certainly it's been the case for me, like the more aware and the more sensitive I've gotten, the more life has opened up, mm -hmm. not always in the, everything feels great. Yeah. yeah. Opened up a lot of really negative, not negative, opened up really a lot, a lot of really, a lot of <laughs> feelings I would have not, rather not feel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah. sensitivity and awareness mm -hmm. and, and, um, I think those are two like if, if I really had to choose a couple of things to teach on, if someone yeah. made me choose a couple for the rest of my life, I think I could teach on those for yeah. probably forever without, mm -hmm. without figuring them out or, you know, probably, I'll probably die trying to figure those things out. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, yeah. they're, boy, what useful, I mean, just beyond the, how you show up in the world and how people, how, you know, people feel around you but the ability to connect, because I think as human beings, that's the one thing that, you know, our ultimate desire is to connect with other human beings, but our egos and, you know, defense mechanisms, all those things get away, yes. get in the way of actual connection. And then the result is we walk around feeling like we're alone and yeah. move past that in the courageous way of like, okay, I'm going to like take a risk here and look in somebody else's eyes and feel not, not what I'm feeling, but what try to feel what's coming off yeah. of from them. That's a, yeah, that's a big ask for some people. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I it is. And you know, societally, there's not, a, not a lot of, um, support yep. for that. We want to really understand where people are at. And mm -hmm. I do think that's a critically important piece. Like, I, I think that that whole realm of therapy is so mm -hmm. important to have people really see that and, and experience the, the, uh, being seen, like mm -hmm. you're not, you're not crazy for thinking that. And yeah. right. Like those, I mean, it's, it's such a, you know, I mean, Paul, I know Paul Conti talks about this at length, but I remember, you know, I heard him being interviewed, um, was talking about it's like yeah probably the most valuable part of therapy is being validated like you're not crazy mm -hmm. so many of us <laughs> myself included you know think oh like i'm insane for thinking yeah yep. and yep. um we even label it as insane which is also you know dangerous but mm -hmm. that i think is another big another another um important piece, but I think it, it has to go beyond that. Yeah. Like it, yeah. Can't, it can't end at just the, just the mental map of being seen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It actually has to be felt on a soul level. That, that just body to body, man. I mean, and yeah. you can go, we can go to the soul level too. I mean, I, I love going into these deeper realms, but I'm just yeah. thinking about some of the listener base here too. Like mm -hmm. this is not just in the ethers. Right, right. It's also right here in, in the here and now in the physical body. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us, myself included, you know, ha had kind of shut that part of themselves off. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When did you even think about like somebody puts their hand on your shoulder, you know, there's suddenly there's a completely different awareness that you bring into that situation. And there's a different energy level that happens. And 
Yeah. One of the things I'm loving about the embodiment work that we're doing is you have to break through the resistance to allow yourself to, to just feel safe enough with another man to be able to feel him, just the physical presence of him, right? That breaking through that barrier is such a huge thing to be able then to bring that into my relationship. And yeah, it's true. It, it's, it's, it is, you know, I think another important piece of men's work and, um, you know, it's not, it's not an easy sell out of the gates for a lot of guys that like, Hey, it's possible that these men could love you and you could love them. And mm -hmm. nobody has to exchange bodily fluid or yeah. be labeled. Like you can just yeah. actually experience love. And, um, you know, it took me a long time to get there too, man. It wasn't like that mm -hmm. when my first men's group, I was like, Oh, love. It's like, Oh, <laughs> there's dudes here. Like, uh oh, <laughs> right. So, so uh -oh. I, but, but again, you practice it enough yeah. and it starts to, it starts to become a, a trait that you actually have now installed in the body. And I, I, um, I can't think of more important work for men to be doing in the mm -hmm. world, not just mm -hmm. for themselves, but for their children, their partners, for the people that they come into contact with every day. Mm -hmm. Um, because so many of us have been so desensitized. Yeah, man. Travis, thank you so much for your time today. This has been awesome. I know that the people who watch us are going to get a lot out of it. Um, somebody wanted to get in contact with you. How would they do that? They would, um, well, they would not go to social media. It's not, not my thing <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know you know that, um, they would go online to my website and they would find me at travisstreb.com. So it's Travis and then Streb is S-T-R-E-B.com. And they'll find out a lot more about me. They'd find out about the programs I run for men, uh, for couples, and uh, for leaders in organizations. And um, my, my uh, people I work with keep telling me that social media is coming, but I I don't know if it's coming from me just yet, um, but you can certainly get on my mailing list, which is also another great way to take part in the community. And if you happen to be so lucky as to live in North Vancouver or in the lower mainland, I run an in-person men's group that is by donation for the BC Children's Hospital Foundation um, for mental health. And so we get together once a month and we're always, always taking in new men. So if that's something that's up your alley and you're in this exact realm, then that's also open. Well, thanks so much. Big love to you. And, uh, guys, don't forget to like, subscribe, share this video. Um, I think it'll be helpful and impactful for a lot of men. Yeah. Thank you, Chuck. It's been great to Thank be you. on here today, man.